We're going to do something a little bit special right now. Um, uh, we're going to invite um, different people to come up to read Acts in different languages. And, you know, we're doing this because when the Holy Spirit came, came down, um, everyone was able to speak in different languages so that the whole world can understand the gospel. The whole world can understand um, what salvation really means. So right now we're going to invite, um, or on stage you'll have Lourdes, um, who's going to read in Tagalog. You have Cindy, who's going to read in Cantonese. Jin, who's going to read in Mandarin. EJ, who's going to do Korean. And uh, Marik, who's going to uh, share with us in Spanish. Um, so let me hand the mic over. Uh, we read uh, books of Acts, chapter 2, verse 1 to 21, but I only read uh, four verses. In Tagalog, mga gawa, ang pagdating ng Espiritu Santo, ikalawang kabanata, talata una hanggang apat. Nang sumapit ang araw ng Pentecoste, nagkatipon silang lahat sa isang lugar, at biglang narinig ang isang ugong mula sa langit. Animoy hagunot ng malakas na hangin at napuno nito ng Nito ang bahay na kinaroroonan nila. May nakita silang wari mga dilang apoy na lumapag sa bawat isa sa kanila. At silang lahat ay napuspos ng Espiritu Santo at nagsalita ng iba't ibang wika. Ayon sa ipinagkalob sa kanila ng Espiritu. Verse 5 to 13 in Cantonese. Nasi Jung 弗雷加、庞菲利亚、埃及的人、并靠近古利奈的利比亚一带地方的人。从罗马来的客旅中,或是犹太人,或是进犹太教的人。克里德和阿拉伯人都听见他们用我们的乡谈,讲说上帝的
verses 20 and 21 in Spanish. El sol se convertirá en tinieblas y la luna en sangre, ante que venga el día del Señor grande y manifiesto, y todo aquel que invocare el nombre del Señor será salvo. Esta es la palabra de Dios. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Clarissa. If you can get your Bibles out um, to Ephesians chapter 6, the reading is quite short, so I thought I would just do it um, since we've had that uh, Pentecost reading in the morning. Chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. It's on page 950 in the church Bibles. Chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, Like a good Asian, I... Uh, when it came to SATs, uh, this is uh, uh, the standardized test that you take um, for college, I studied, it, I studied for it at least for a year, for at least for a year, year and a few more months. Uh, even though I am known to forget things on the day of SATs, I made a checklist and I brought some stuff, number two pencils, um, number two pencils, a calculator. Uh, I think that my year, the graphing calculators were allowed for the first time. Maybe you can switch to the PowerPoint, maybe? See if... uh, It's not... uh, Yeah, okay. Um, uh, Sorry. I I, I made sure I brought a calculator and some pencils as well as some snacks to in between, uh, to to eat in between the breaks because, you know, you get tired and you don't want to zone out. Um, Could you imagine a student who's prepared for a test for over a year and to go to the exam and forget the the pencil and you have nothing to write with? Well, you could say maybe they borrow. How about a soldier? A soldier who's trained for war, who went to the training and who, uh, who studied the enemy, who studied um, the, 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 the theories behind war, uh, knife skills and uh, uh, all those things. And on the day that he's deployed for the mission on the battlefield, he all of a sudden remembers that he's forgotten. He's forgotten some important things, his shield, his knife, his helmet. If you're joining us for the first time in a few weeks, we've been going through the last part of Ephesians chapter 6 about the spiritual warfare. And we've reminded ourselves that there is a warfare going on. The enemy is out there prowling like a lion, trying to get us, to maul us, uh, to uh, make us ineffective, ineffective. It's going on, and it's important to gird ourselves with the truth of Scripture, the righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, righteousness of Christ, and be completely ready for war by putting on the shoes, uh, the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We talked about that, but of course, the command isn't just to put on some armor of God, right? It's the command is to put on the full armor of God. Next slide, please. Full armor of God. It's there uh, in, uh, twice in verses 11 and 13. Put on the full armor of God. It's no good to do it halfway. 
Sure, the belt and the breastplate and the shoes will come useful. I mean, it's better than nothing. But in a real battle, we need more than that. We need the full armor. So Paul tells us in our text today, verse 16, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. A Roman soldier's shield was the biggest weapon, defensive weapon that he had. It wasn't a little thing that deflected the sword. It was a big thing. It was as big as four to six feet uh, uh, long and two to three feet wide. I'm five foot ten, which means actually if I had one of these shields, I could be completely shielded. I could hide behind it and safe. And not only that, you, weren't, you didn't go to war just by yourself. Right? You went to war with other soldiers with all those she- shields. And often, as you've seen, I'm sure, uh, they lined up side by side. And when the flaming arrows came, they put it in, in front of them. And not only that, they put it over their heads. So that as the flaming arrows come, it would not penetrate its ranks. Take up the shield of faith, which, is, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. No doubt flaming arrows have come to you at some point in your life. They often come suddenly, out of nowhere. It might even be in the middle of your quiet time, listening to this sermon. You might have the most holy thoughts about God, and all of a sudden you find yourself ambushed with these thoughts of doubt, thoughts of of blasphemy, false teaching, discouragement, discontentment, envy, fear, or whatever it is. They come to you. I've had it this week and thought that it seemed to really come out of nowhere. All these arrows come from a sustained time of stress. And when you're suffering, when you're going through things that you don't understand and the doubt, it just intensifies more and more. What do you do? Friends, the first thing to do is to expect these things to happen. It doesn't matter whether you've been a Christian for just three months or for years. It doesn't matter how mature you are. These flaming arrows will come to you at some point. Expect them. Don't be surprised and don't be caught off guard by them. And don't expect the shield of faith to be deployed automatically. It's not automatic. Paul says, take out, take the shield of faith. We need to take it out and apply to the situation that we are in. To whatever situation that we're facing right now, take out the shield and apply it. We see this uh, during Jesus' ministry. Uh, Turn with me to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. It's 840 in the church Bibles. Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. There we see Jesus and the disciples in a big storm, in a squall. The rain is pouring down, the wind is blowing, the boat is being swamped by water, and they were in great danger. So disciples panic, and so they go to Jesus. They say to Jesus, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And they saw, I imagine, one of the greatest things anyone could ever see. They see Jesus waking up going to the edge of a boat, and he rebuked the wind and the waves. He said, be still. And this storm that was raging all of a sudden subsided. It listened to Jesus' command. It said all became calm. And do you see in verse 25 what Jesus says to the disciples? He says to the disciples, where is your faith? 
Where is your faith? Notice he doesn't say, you don't have faith. That's not what he says. He says, where is your faith? Dr. Martin, uh, Martin uh, Lloyd-Jones uh, says this. He says, look, it's as if he's saying that faith is there somewhere. You have it. You have the capacity to put, take out the shield of faith. You have the capacity to use it. You have the capacity to realize that nothing will harm them as long as Jesus is in the boat with them. Take out the shield of faith. It should be there. You should be using it. That's what Jesus is saying to the disciples. We often think that faith is like our air conditioning setting. I don't know what what you set it to, uh, 25 degrees or 26 degrees or whatever, and it goes over, and then all of a sudden it automatically kicks in. No, faith is not like that. It's not automatic like that. It's more like that shield, shield that you take out and you apply in the situation that you are in. Say that you are moved by the Holy Spirit to give a big donation to a mission agency or something. But just as you're ready, ready to write the big check, all of a sudden you're worried that the worries come to you how long you live, whether you'll be able to afford your children's university payments or maybe how long you will live in your medical expenses at the end of your life. All of a sudden, all these things come to you. What do you do? Well, take out the shield of faith. Remember and apply. Do not worry about tomorrow. Lilies of the field did not dress better than, uh, uh, they dressed better than even King Solomon ever did. You're being diag- you were diagnosed but something terrible and fear overtakes you. Satan plants a doubt in your mind about God's goodness. Why would a loving God do this to you? Is God really sovereign? Is, really God, is God really loving? We are to take out the shield of faith. Remember who God is. God has given his son to you. He is good. He is trustworthy. He's working through all things for the good of those who love him or who are called according to his own purpose. Maybe just about to, when you're about to fall asleep, you're plagued with fear. You're plagued with all the things that you've done to displease God and you're not sure whether you're in right standing with God. The fear overtakes you. What do you do? The thoughts of worthlessness, the doubt comes. Take out the shield of faith. As Peter read, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And please don't say uh, say that this faith is blind. It's not blind, right? It's actually active. It's engaging our mind. It's engaging what we know about God, what we know about Jesus. It's firmly grounded in the person of Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection. It's only right to trust him, right? If there was this man, Jesus, who was the son of God, who lived a perfectly righteous life, and he died to take away our sins that, oh, so that God's, all of God's promises would be yeses in Christ Jesus, then it's right to trust him. It's right to not worry about the future. It's, not, it's, it's right that, that, that we tell ourselves that there is no condemnation. It's looking at him. It's looking at him and his words rather than our situation, rather than what's attacking us right now. That's faith. It's applying what we know. It's engaging our mind. It's taking it out to the situation that we are in. Take out the shield of faith. 
But sometimes it feels really difficult. I, I know, it, it, to, to continue um, to take out the shield of faith, especially when the assault just seems relentless. Here, we're told to put on the helmet of salvation. And salvation in Greek means all sorts of things. Uh, even when you're sort of uh, healed, it's, uh, the, the, the Greek word uh, is, is used, saved. Or when you're rescued from danger, or spiritual salvation as well. And even the spiritual salvation itself has, the many, has many different aspects. It's got this time aspect, uh, salvation of the past and the present and the future. For example, salvation, Paul often uses salvation to mean something that happened to us already in the past. It was there in Ephesians chapter 2, 8-9, for by grace you have been saved. Right? That's in the past. You have been saved once and for all because of what Jesus has done for you. But then, Paul at times talks about it as a present real- reality, something that is happening to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18, we read, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Here, it's something that is happening right now. The work that God began in you is happening right now. He's sanctifying you. He's making you more and more like Christ. God's bringing you to salvation uh, through the Holy Spirit. And there's the future aspect of salvation as well. Romans 5.9 tells us that having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from his wrath through him. It's something that will, be, that will happen in the future. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5.8, I think this is salvation that we're, uh, Paul is talking about here. He writes, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Here, it's hope of salvation as a helmet. I think what he's trying to say is that this is, salvation means many things, but the hope of salvation is the, the salvation that will come in the future. The decisive victory that God will make known to the whole world when we will be changed, when the world will be changed, we will be delivered for good from evil, from sin and death. Helmet of salvation, put on the hope of salvation. I don't know if you ever thought, I can't go on much longer like this. I can't resist all the temptations around me. I want to give in. There's, I've been trying to change. I've been trying to do things better, but it seems like nothing's changing. I can't go on like that. I, 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 nothing's changing. I don't even know if I'm a Christian anymore. You think to yourself. And often despair sets in, doesn't it? Think, yeah, well, I can't go on. Friends, put on the hope of salvation as our helmet. What it means is to tell ourselves that this will end, that there is an end point to all of this. Our struggle will not go on forever and ever. Our struggle of sin with sin and doubt and all the things that are going on will come to an end. As we've read in that little series that Niels did, we will be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye. We will be changed. The end is there. And could you imagine what difference knowing that end is coming, that there will be an end makes to you. To you right? Uh, we heard from Sarah uh, last week. Imagine if Sarah had been diagnosed with cancer and then the doctor tells her, you know, 
chemotherapy is tough, and you will have to do it for the rest of your life. How exhausting! How hopeless that would be! You don't have this quality of life that's good anymore. It's just pain and suffering every single day. But then, if the doctor tells you, as I'm sure they did, look, you'll go through you'll go through chemotherapy for six months, for six months, and at the end of six months, you will be healthy. You will be able to live in full health, full life. After that, how you go through pain will change, wouldn't it? You can do it for six months. You can do it. You can withstand it. I don't know what your struggle might be with. Where Satan is saying, "Give up. You should just give up. It's not worth it." I know many men who struggle with lust and pornography. Some of you struggle with being single and being lonely, and you think, "How am I going to deal with this for the rest of my life?" Some of you struggle with bad marriages. And you go, how am I going to deal with this for the rest of my life? Some of you struggle with self-worth, the thought of worthlessness, of constantly feeling inadequate. Some of you struggle with the opposite, pride, and 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 the self-righteousness. And you catch yourself, wow, how ugly that is, and that you've been struggling with for the rest of, of, for all of your life. But friends, none of it will last forever. None of it will last forever. If you're in a battle and you think you're losing, you're just exhausted and you just want to give in, and then all of a sudden you hear uh, from uh, somebody who has come in and says, "Actually, there is a reinforcement coming. Hundreds of thousands of people are coming. There will be victory. Just a moment. Uh, what would you do? Right? That would change the whole thing, whole attitude. You would keep going." You would just say, "I just need to last. I need to just stand here until that day comes, friends. That day will come. Put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. Perfect freedom is coming. Freedom from sin and death is coming. We will win. We are in a battle that we cannot lose because Jesus has won it for us." Stand firm, in the words of Puritan writer William Gurnall. He says, "Take it, take it, so as never to lay it down until God takes off this helmet and put a crown of glory in its place. Put the helmet of salvation until Jesus comes and replaces that helmet with the crown of salvation. What a glorious day that will be!" And then take out the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And before we go any further, please note that the spirit and the word are spliced together as one here. And we often talk of churches as being sort of the the church that teaches the Bible. Or the church that really acknowledges the movement of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit is working. We 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 uh, we separate the two. Here, Paul tells us that the separating the two like this is nonsense. It's the take out the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. They go together. They are one and the same. The Holy Spirit works through God's Word. The sword of the Spirit, which is God's word, 
And the commentators tell us that this sword is not just a long thing, but it's a, it's a bit of a dagger. It's a short one, one or two feet. It's what gets used in uh, up-close um, close combat, hand-to-hand uh, combat. And it's then used, once again, like everything else in this armor, used mostly as a defensive weapon. To, uh, um, but unlike other weapons, like helmet or breastplate or the, the, the belt or anything like that, this one actually can be used offensively as well as the attack comes. And in fact, the word here, the word of God, the, word, the Greek word that's used is not logos. It's, uh, it's not uh, sort of, uh, the connotation isn't written word. It's rhema. It's a, it's a spoken word. It's a spoken word of God. Which means the nuance here is that when Satan comes to attack you, you are to say to him and to yourself, you are to say God's word to him, to ward him off, to stab him with God's word. And we need no better example than Jesus. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, you know the story of the temptation, the well-known story of Jesus' temptation. When Satan tempts Jesus, in the desert to turn the stone into bread. Remember, Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. When he tempts Jesus again, uh, says, uh, you should jump off uh, from this mountain cliff. Jesus takes out the dagger from Psalm 91 and says, you shall not test God. When the devil promises him the whole world, Jesus once again takes out the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. Worship the Lord your God only and serve him only. And remember what happens at the very end of that episode. Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. Then the devil left him. Then the devil left him because he was stabbed by God's word. I'm going to be honest here. Uh, If you know me, I am terrible at memorizing anything. (laughs) I am really, really horrible at memorizing things. And American evangelist uh, D.L. Moody once said that the mutilated uh, word of God is like broken sword, and I am filled with broken swords, and I need to start mending them. Of course, But we need to take these out. We need to commit to memory, take them out and use them. And um, please know that it's not like Chinese talisman. Uh, These words are not like Chinese talisman. The idea here is that if you put these in in front of the door or something, then the evil spirit will come and see it and be scared and run away. It has this sort of magical power. God's word is not like these. Just saying them will not do. When we say them, we must also believe them. For the power comes from the devil knowing that you know God's word, that you know and trust in God's word over his, because the battle comes down to this, really. Spiritual battle comes down to this. Who will you believe? Will you believe the lying words of the devil? Will you believe the world or will you believe God's word? next slide. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Tell the Satan, tell the devil 
that, that he has no power over you because you believe in God's word. His promises, his faithfulness, that you believe that what he said is true, that you put your hope and trust in those words. And in order to do that, of course, we first need to read it. We need to read it. Will you commit to reading the Bible every day? I know that we live in Hong Kong. I know that we're all busy. Take out the sword of the Spirit. We need this to fight the devil each day. Will you commit to reading the Bible each day? Will you commit to maybe e meeting with another person to read the Bible one-to-one? -one? I love Fresh Hot in Church. You know, if people ask me what my vision for the church is, and this is after seven, eight years, this is what I've come up with. I love Fresh Hot in Church to be known as the church that reads the Bible one-to-one -one with others, that's constantly reading the Bible, every member here, reading the Bible with another person, sharpening our swords so we can take it out and use it. I know that you're all busy one-to-one. -one. You can meet for lunch. You can meet for breakfast. Take out the sword, right? Read the Bible. It's, it's hard, I know, to read the Bible on your own. For many people who are starting out, I know it's really hard. Get a more experienced person. If you're a more experienced person, look out for a new believer. Read the Bible one-to-one -one with another person. Help them to grow along. And each day, as you read it, I know that many people have the habit of journaling. Write down the one that really leapt out and spoke to you. The Holy Spirit used, right? Because it's the sword of the Spirit, uh, um, the uh, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, it's only effective, really, when the Spirit makes it effective, right? And when God has spoken to you in that way, write it down. Write it down and commit to memory so you can pull it out anytime, anytime. You can have it at your disposal and you can sing it too. Uh, we value every song that we sing on a Sunday, but uh, you know, there are some songs that speak the truth of God's word, not just sort of our emotions and, and uh, uh, our longing for God, but that tells us the truth of God's word. Memorize those songs and sing to yourself and sing to others. The great reformer Martin Luther wrote, Music is fair and lovely gift of God, which has often weakened and um, awakened and moved, uh, moved me to the joy of preaching. Music drives away the devil and makes people happy. And in previous chapter, in chapter 5, verse 17, Paul wrote, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing the scripture. And may I uh, suggest something very practical? I hope uh, you've, uh, you've gotten, as you have come in, uh, maybe the ushers have given you these uh, note cards. Take a few note cards. Uh, they're at the back, lots of them at the back. Take as many as you need, as you want. May I suggest that you think about areas that you are struggling with, where you give this foothold to the devil often. Maybe it's worry. Maybe it's just saying harsh words, lewdness, envy, lust, anger, whatever it is. Can you identify which, which of those things are? Can you prayerfully read through the Bible or uh, find another person who can help you with this? Write down a couple of pieces of scripture that can speak into that situation, into that emotion, into that temptation. Write it down. Maybe it's worry. You know, maybe you can memorize Isaiah 41, uh, 41 uh, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, 
for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Maybe it's lust. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not, on, you're not your own. You have been bought at a price. Therefore, honor, your body, your, uh, honor God with your bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 10. Would you take them this week? Would you examine your heart? Would you ask God to lead you to these passages? Put them in your pocket. You know, as temptations come, pull it out. Read it out. Say to the devil, stab him with God's word. Would you commit them to memory? Would you commit them to memory? And there are many apps who can help you to do that. I put uh, on our uh, church app, uh, in the sermon notes, I put a link um, to a Bible memory uh, uh, an app, app that you can download for free. There are many applications who can, that can help you to do that. So why don't you download it? Why don't we commit to God's word, to using God's word. And friends, if I, I, there might be here um, people who are not yet committed to Christ, I want you to know that you are in a dangerous place. You are in a dangerous place. You live in Hong Kong. You live in this busy city where actually there is, I think, the spirit of uh, Satan that, that is behind many things, the materialism, the busyness, and the, 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 the relentlessness um, that we see around Hong Kong. You are in a dangerous place on your own. You will not survive on your own despair. Right? And, 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 and these things are, um, uh, um, it's hard to get away from those things. So turn to Jesus. You know, the spiritual armor we've talked about, if you go back and look at it, it's all the gospel. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, right? belt of truth, it's all of the gospel. God has saved you. God has a way uh, for you to stand firm and be mighty and, and strong in him. Turn to Jesus. Come to him and say, I want to be strong in you. I want to trust you as my Savior and my Lord, one who will lead me for the rest of my life. Look to Christ. And if you're a Christian, friends, don't be naive. There is a spiritual battle going on, and we need to put on the full armor of God, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes, the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. Do not be caught off, caught with any of them, without any of them. Verse 13, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have, have done everything, to stand. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the reminder that there is a war going on. We thank you for the reminder that we don't have to be alone, that we don't have to be overcome by doubt. We don't have to be overcome by fear and worries. We don't have to be overcome by our sin that the devil uses to accuse us. We thank you for the gospel. 
We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for the righteousness that you've given. We thank you for the truth that you have given. We thank you for the faith that you've given. We thank you for the, 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 the sword of the Spirit and, and the word of God that's given to us. We thank you for the gospel of peace that helps us be ready to face anything that the world and the devil throws at our way. Lord, help Shatin Church for all of us to be a church, to be a people who stand firm, who's ready and able to face anything, Lord, anything that Satan throws our way and help us to to equip ourselves with the full armor of God and stand firm. In Jesus' name, amen.